Okay, hello and welcome to another episode of the Caffeinated College Coach. My name is Wendy Steinberg and today's podcast is featuring Eliana Berkeley and she is a certified professional midwife and I thought it was so important for her to come on and tell us about her path to this profession because um higher education doesn't necessarily mean going to a college. So I'm very excited she's joining us. Um, why don't we just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on the podcast. Um, well, as you said, my name is Eliana Berkeley. I have recently certified as a certified professional midwife in December of 2020. Um, very exciting. Um, it took a while to get there, but it was absolutely worth the journey. So I've always loved pregnancy and birth. It was always a big passion of mine. Um, it was one of those weird ones where I was a teenager and I was super fascinated by it. And I just knew that I had to be doing something with this profession. Um, but the schooling was really daunting to me because I had a really hard time when I was in elementary school. I was bullied pretty badly. And it left me with a very bad taste in my mouth about education in general. Oh, I don't doubt it. That, that is beyond. Where, now tell us exactly where you're from. So I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, but I've kind of been all over. So I've been, I've lived in Seattle, Chicago, and Cincinnati, and I'm now in Baltimore. So nice. So um, when one decides to become a midwife, you know, is it just more or less, is there a formal school? Is there an apprentice training? How do you get to the place you are? And then you also became certified during the pandemic. So would love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the path to certification is, first of all, figuring out what kind of midwife you want to be. Um, there are a few different options in the United States for getting certification. So one of them is to become a certified nurse midwife. Um, and in that program, you would go through traditional nursing school, um, and then you would get a master's in midwifery. Um, it's pretty cool. Your scope of practice ends up being much bigger than a certified professional midwife, um, but you are trained in the hospital and you generally stick to the hospital. Okay. Um, Certified professional midwives, their training is geared specifically towards home birth. So there's been a whole program to accredit a bunch of uh, schools so that the training can become a little bit more standardized. Um, so once you get tested, you know that everyone who has that credential has kind of gone through the same training and has very similar experience. Okay. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to do home birth. So I wanted a program that specifically geared towards practice, practicing in the home. Um, so I would be learning the tools that I would need to practice from the get-go. I didn't want to have to transition from the hospital into a home birth setting. Right. Um, and like I said, traditional school was, you know, left me with a very bad taste in my mouth and I was not eager to try again. Sure. What is the third option? You said there were three. Yep. So the third option is to go with the traditionally trained route. So you can apprentice um, and, you know, get trained. And eventually you and your mentor will decide when you're kind of ready to go at it on your own. Um, depending on the state laws, though, 
a lot of times they will regulate very heavily midwifery. Um, and so that's becoming illegal in many states. So it's unfortunately a dying art. Um, yeah. Do you mean but, it's, becoming, it's becoming illegal to be a yes. midwife? Yes. Traditionally trained midwives have a very hard time getting licensure in states that require licensure. Um, they want you to go through these accredited programs so you can prove that you got the education that you needed. Um, so the model that I went through is a mixture of apprenticeship and study. Um, so you have different programs. So I went to an accredited program where I did all the book learning. Mm -hmm. And then on the same, at the same time, I also did an apprenticeship. So when you did your apprenticeship, because I know you were trying to focus on home births only, mm -hmm. you then also in the hospital as well, do they, in, in that schooling umbrella, do they give you um, experience in both realms or are you just at home? So basically just at home, you have to observe a couple of hospital births. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that that's for purpose of contrast and um, getting a little bit more experience so that when you have to transfer into the hospital, you can comfortably navigate. Mm -hmm. um, but the most of your experience ends up being at home. Okay. So I have three kids, thank God, right? Um, I had them in the hospital. And um, what does a home birth look like? Like I know the what it looks like, but like, <laughs> sorry, is it like more water birth? Is it more um, like, is the whole family involved? Is that something you discuss when you're meeting with potential clients? It's just so fascinating to me because I, I know that if I had a home birth, like I'm pretty sure my ex-husband wouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a lot of people who their husbands or their partner have a really hard time getting on board with home birth. Um, but a lot of what we do is client-led care. So, um, you know, we'll meet in their house with them for an hour. That's their prenatal visit. You know, we'll check on the vitals for the mom and the baby. And then most of that time ends up being discussion where we talk about how they're doing. We provide education on um, different testing options that are available in pregnancy. Um, and then when it comes time for the birth, what happens is we will come to the client's home and we'll set up the space so that all of our equipment is there. Um, and then we just kind of let the client decide how they want to labor and um, where they want to give birth. And sometimes that ends up being in a tub that we loan them. Sometimes it ends up being on the toilet. Sometimes it ends up being in bed. Um, it's really wherever they feel comfortable. That is amazing. Okay, so what do you bring with you? Um, do you bring medicine? Do you bring, um, like, what's in your kit? You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So, again, this is one of those things that's kind of regulated from state to state. In Maryland, we are allowed to carry anti-hemorrhagic. So that's drugs like Pitocin, Cytotec, and Methogen, which will help prevent hemorrhaging. Um, we can carry IV fluids for, again, dehydration or hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. um, we carry an oxygen tank for the mom and the baby. Um, so if we do need that, we have that available. Um, and I, I would say the biggest thing that we bring is our knowledge and our, our you know, hands. That's really yeah. what it is. Is it just you or are you and a partner? 
So it is me and a partner. So right now I'm actually working as a second midwife with the midwife who trained me, um, which is absolutely wonderful. I love it. And um, in Maryland, again, it's one of those things that's regulated where you have to attend a birth with two people um, and both people have to have training in neonatal resuscitation and CPR. Wow. That's amazing. That yeah. really, really is. I so when you were lucky. here, when you were here in Cincinnati, were, is that when you were just doing your schooling or were you actually like getting some of that experience? So I was an apprentice in Cincinnati. Um, unfortunately, there just wasn't enough volume for me to be able to meet the requirements of my schooling. Yeah. Uh, which was a, one of the factors that helped us make the decision to move from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So how many babies have you delivered? <laughs> well, in midwifery, we say, how many babies have you caught, not delivered? Oh, caught. <laughs> the moms are the ones who deliver the babies. We're the ones who catch or watch somebody else catch. Um, so right now I've been at roughly 70 births. Um, I haven't been the primary midwife at this at all of those, but I've been present for roughly 70. That is absolutely phenomenal. And thank you for clarifying. You know, you get in your head, um, you know, delivering. That's so funny. And you're yeah, no, it's totally really on the receiving about. end. That's um yep. wow. So you're on call. So um, are you on call like two weeks before the due date or two weeks after? Like, how do you kind of prepare yourself um, or how do you, I mean, like scheduling because babies come when babies come, you know? Exactly. Yes. Babies have their own way of making themselves known. <laughs> um, they don't really care if you're sleeping or if you're at dinner. Right. Um, so yeah, we're on call from when they hit 37 weeks. So that's about three weeks before their due date until 42 weeks, just two okay. weeks after their due date. Um, different states have different, you know, requirements for when you can attend a birth. But in Maryland, it's that five-week window. Um, okay. So if you have more than one or two clients a month, you pretty much just end up being on call 24-7. Oh, my. That was my next question. Because I had a doula with my last one, my last son, and that was just beautiful. Yeah. And um, she was on call two weeks before and two weeks after just in case. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know how how you would be able to juggle more than one um, client at a time, more than one family. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's a challenge. And that's something that you figure out is one of the things that you learn in apprenticeship is okay. how to manage that on call schedule. Mm -hmm. um, it is definitely difficult. And you it's hard to schedule things in your own life. Sure. Um, and most midwives will end up saying, well, I'll do this unless I'm at a birth. Um, and everyone just kind of knows. Yeah, um, it really helps to have a lot of community support. My husband is phenomenal. And he loves what I do. And you know, sends me off with a smile and he's just so excited that I'm going and helping people. So um, I got very lucky. The hardest thing really is scheduling childcare. Yeah. 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 Um, how long did your program take you from starting to this point that you're at now? So it took me about three years. 
Um, the average is two to five years for a certified professional midwife. I enrolled in June of 2017 in a program mm -hmm. and I graduated and um, took my boards in December of 2020. So, yeah. So when COVID hit, were you, I mean, babies still come, you know, how, how did you manage those home births during an, just an unprecedented time, not knowing what to do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We were very careful because we couldn't stop working. Mm -hmm. um, and actually we ended up having a lot more clients come seeking home birth care because of COVID and not wanting to be in the hospital. Um, so we ended up being two or three times as busy as we usually were because of all the new people wanting to transfer care because they didn't want to be in the hospital when COVID was going on. Um, oh my gosh. So yeah, so we were very careful, you know, obviously we clean and sanitize all of our equipment in between clients, but we were taking all the extra measures that we could, wearing gloves in people's homes, masking, mm -hmm. um, all of those things so that we could protect ourselves and our clients. Um, it was definitely a challenge and, you know, one of the, uh, one of the big aspects of midwifery care is evidence-based care. So we were trying to stay on top of all of the new studies that were coming out on COVID and how it was transmitted so that we could be as safe as possible for us and our clients. Absolutely amazing. Oh my goodness. Like I, it didn't even resonate with me that all these women wouldn't want to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But it makes perfect sense that, that your business would triple and, oh my gosh, wow. Yeah. yeah, we got very busy. I think it's remarkable that you knew at, I want to say such a young age, because you are young. I mean, I'm going to be 50 this year, so you're much, you're half my age. Mm -hmm. And I, at your age, didn't even know what I wanted to do. I still have problems. I'm still questioning. It's okay. <laughs> and yeah. so you were able to just really key, you know, key in on that. And I just love it because it, you're working to your strength. I'm sure you're phenomenal with partners, oh, calm, supportive. I, I just think it's probably, and, and your husband being so supportive, you really are going in and doing such a chesed, such a mitzvah that, and then you get to be on the receiving end of this beautiful baby. Mm. <laughs> and um, what could be better? It just sounds so amazing. It definitely feels that way. Um, and I know that I'm very lucky that I knew what I wanted to do from a young age. And, um, you know, I had parents and friends who really supported me and what I wanted to do. And I don't think that I would have made it this far without those supportive people. Yeah. Yeah. I think too much pressure is put on those traditional routes where oh yeah. you go to college a four year, even a two year and um, not exploring exactly what works to your strengths, because this is obviously the best place for you and you're shining, you're enjoying it. You're, you're like glowing from the inside out. I can hear it from your voice that this is your jam 
And um, so tell me what happens when you stop being, I guess you said the second midwife yeah. and then you become a primary midwife. Like, are you in your own business or are you in a firm or that's not right. That's not the right word. <laughs> yeah. So right now the way it works is I'm kind of like a contracted employee of this midwife. So she's okay. basically hired on a second midwife to help her with her workload. Okay. Um, I have some clients that I'm acting as primary, um, but most of the births we're doing together and, you know, with the other students and assistants of the practice. Um, and then eventually my goal is to build my own practice, um, you know, and I would have my own assistant and some, my own clients. So we'll see. Um, I don't think I'd be doing that in Baltimore though. I'm very happy with where I'm at in Baltimore, um, but my husband and I are looking to move. And so when that day comes, I would be looking to set up a practice as well. Okay, so just a, a, a theoretical question, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Do state, is it a national accreditation or if you were to move and go to a different state, do you have to get recertified? So it depends on the state. Um, usually the way it works is, you know, the accreditations are all national. So the Meek schools, which are the accredited schools and NARM, which gives the CPM credential um, are national. And then each state will have its own laws regarding about whether or not they require you to pursue licensure in their state. Um, so Maryland requires that you've attended a MEEC program and you are a CPM, and then you can apply for licensure in the state of Maryland. Okay. Um, we are looking to move to Missouri and the laws in Missouri are, um, you know, you just have to have the national accreditation and they don't really regulate your practice as much. Where in Missouri are you going to go? We're hoping for St. Louis. Okay, my son goes to Yeshiva there. If you go, I'm going to totally hook you guys up. Okay. That would be wonderful. He'll babysit. It'll be amazing. That would be okay, awesome. Cool. So, this might be a too personal question. There's no but question. do you take insurance? Like, how do these families pay for your services? Yeah, that is a very big issue that a lot of midwives have um, is insurance reimbursement. So insurance tends to be very um, cozied up with the hospitals. And so they are willing to pay for however much it is for a hospital birth, which usually ends up being upwards of $10,000. It's true. Um, yeah. And um, they fight on reimbursing for home birth care, um, which is very unfortunate. So there are different insurance companies that offer different, you know, benefits when it comes to home birth. Um, how they usually do it is they are willing to reimburse a percentage of what they consider to be a reasonable cost. So let's say a home birth in Maryland costs $4,600. If they decide, okay, well, we think it's reasonable that it costs $2,500 and we're going to give you back 75% of $2,500. Um, so it ends up being very tricky to get reimbursement. And the way that we have to work it is we have clients pay us directly and then we will try and bill insurance or have a biller that will bill insurance after to hopefully get the clients some of their money back. I am so happy to hear you say that the clients, the families pay you directly. Because as you were talking, in my mind, I'm thinking you're never getting paid. You're waiting for these yeah. and insurance could take years. Exactly. So like, 
I am so grateful to hear that that's the way it's designed so that you can actually have a livelihood. It, yeah. It's wow. It's the only way to make midwifery sustainable when we can, you know, when it's difficult to get in network with insurance. Unfortunately, it becomes very cost prohibitive for clients. Right. Um, you know, not everyone has that amount of money that they can rustle up just spare change, you know, in nine months. So we do our best to work with people so that they can afford it. Um, but at the end of the day, it is extremely unfortunate and um, feels a little bit discriminatory sometimes yeah. um, that they refuse to cover our services when, you know, it's been proven to be safe and it's significantly cheaper than a hospital. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah. It's and these families, Eliana, these families don't have a home birth and then go to the hospital, correct? Unless they have to. Correct. So okay. they will transfer in if there's an emergency or a situation that can't be managed at home. Okay. Um, I will just share personally that I um, was attempting a home birth with my son in September. Um, I was in labor for three days and he ended up having a couple of issues with his heart rate. So we ended up transferring into the hospital. Um, and I got very, very lucky that, you know, my midwife could transfer in with me and I knew enough that I knew exactly what I wanted in the event of a transfer. Um, and I got very, very blessed to have an amazing team that met me at the hospital. Um, yeah, but in most cases, home birth transfers are not that Oh, wow. I didn't know you had to go through that. Yeah, it was, you know, my son had his own way of getting here. You know, he had his own story to tell and I was just along for the ride. Well, your son is pure sugar. He is so delicious. You You need to be posting more pictures on Facebook. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Oh, my goodness. I am just so delighted you took some time to speak with me because I, there's so many options for people. It's, and this is just something you love, which we're all trying to find that, that spark, that thing you love to do. And in three years, here you are practicing something you've dreamed about. Mm -hmm. And it's remarkable. You know, people go to school and rack up such student debt and then they graduate and they still don't know what direction they're going into. Yeah, that's one of the things that I feel about the school system that's just incredibly broken. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there needs to be a lot more emphasis on what you know children and teenagers are interested in and what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then you know can be kind of guided into the right program after that. And for some people that's not gonna be college. Some people yeah. that is gonna be an apprenticeship model and um, you know hands-on working and becoming an electrician or a plumber or something yeah, like yeah. that um, or a midwife where you don't have to go through the traditional system. You don't necessarily even have to go to school right? Um, right. and you can still earn a great living and it's not anything to be ashamed about. No, um, I feel like a lot of people look down on, you know, oh, you didn't go to college or, oh, this is the only degree you have. You didn't want to get a this or a this or a this. I'm like, no, who cares about the letters behind your name? Right. It's about what are you going to feel like going to work every day? Exactly. Are you going to hate it or are you going to love it? Are you going to give it everything you have? Absolutely. I will be honest. I have a master's degree, but there is a young man that lives up the street who, when he was 18, started to become an electrician as an apprentice. Wow. He is now making twice my salary. 
He's 25. He's in a union. He gets regular raises, amazing benefits. He knew what he wanted to do. And now he's working as an electrician. That's wonderful. And I'm just like, you know, where were, where, like back in 1989, when I graduated high school, I'm like, there was nothing but college being shoved at me. And, you know, even when I meet with students at Cincinnati State, which is a two-year program, and I have a lot of students that go the vocational route, I'm like, why didn't I become a welder? You know, they end up (laughs) making like $45 an hour. And that's twice what I make. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> I think yeah. I have to retrain. This is, and I, I, your point is so spot on, really, to focus on our strengths and where that could be, you know, pinpointed as we graduate high school so that we're not getting into debt, we're not wasting time, and we're really focusing on things that we love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think am so happy for you. Thank you. Yay. Do you have any, like, as we wrap up any words of wisdom or anything that, that you would maybe share with families about the path that you took and, and where you're at now? Um, that's a good question. I guess that I would say is a couple of things. Number one is it sounds corny, but it's true. If you find something that you love, work at it and you'll never work a day in your life. Absolutely. Um, it is absolutely 100% true. And I think that it's okay to say, I need to take a year and figure out what I want to do, yeah. figure out yeah. where I want to be, because it's not just this year or four years of college or eight years or 12 years. This is your rest of your life. So right. you need to pick something that you're going to be passionate about. And you can see yourself going long-term and say, when I'm 60 years old, am I going to look back at my life and regret my choices? Or am I going to look back and say, wow, I really did the best that I could to make it here. Um, And I think that's very important. And then when it comes to, you know, what I do and midwifery care in general, I would say people should be more open-minded, you know, do research before making judgments. And that comes again to everything, but um, specifically with midwifery, there are a lot of misconceptions about what we do and about how specialized our training is and, you know, are we certified enough? And um, I will say that we are really good at normal, low risk birth. So if you are curious in any way, you should look it up, do some research, contact some midwives, you know, get questions answered and stop spreading misconceptions and start spreading the truth. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, I'm just so excited that you, I got to learn a little bit more about what you do when you were here in Cincinnati. I just knew that you were in school and you have job security. So that's pretty amazing. (laughs) Yes. I'm very thankful for that. Absolutely. Well, I'm so grateful. Thank you for taking time and um, really have a great night with that beautiful baby of yours. (laughs) I will enjoy your sons as well. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye.